Thank you for listening, and we hope this message will strengthen and help you in your walk with God. Today, I receive the Word of God to profit me, reproof me, convict me, and instruct me to righteousness that I may become perfect and thoroughly furnished unto all good works. You just quoted 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. And if you have your Bibles open with me to Habakkuk chapter 2, we're going to be praying over your vision today. And also one of the things we'd like to do is we'd like to take a picture of you and your family uh, if you're with your family because we want to begin to pray over your family on a regular basis. And we may put your vision with your, your picture with your vision. We're not real sure, but we want to pray over your vision on a regular basis. I pray here in the morning times. I've been coming here right around 7 o'clock and praying about an hour. And I'd just love to pray over your vision, begin to speak over that and agree with you that those things that God has put in your heart is going to come to pass. Would that be okay? All right, so be sure to get your picture taken after service. And if you can't make it today, you need to rush out, let Jordan know. And we'll be doing this again next Sunday also so you can get your, your picture taken. And so, you know, but there's a, there's a condition. Don't anybody take a picture that's better looking than me. Amen. Glory to God. Have you found Habakkuk? Habakkuk said, then the Lord answered me and said, now, this is an instruction to Habakkuk. Hey, Habakkuk, you need to do this, and there's a reason behind it. Write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he who runs, who reads it, that he may run, who reads it. The Message Bible gives us such a clear understanding of what God is saying here. And then God answered and said, write this, write what you see, write what you are seeing. What are, you, what are you seeing yourself doing? What are you seeing yourself doing? What would you like to be doing? If there's anything that you could do and you felt like there was no hindrances, how big would you dream? That's something the Lord spoke to me in early morning prayer when I was praying. He said, tell the people to dream bigger. Why is that? It's because the children of Israel limited God. And so write what you see. So, well, now, I don't know. It might be just way beyond my ability. Good, because we're not asking you to do this in your ability. We're asking you to trust God and believe God's word that these things that he's put in your heart, he's going to bring it to pass. That's the key. One of the things that we have to do is we have to learn not to lean on our own understanding, the Bible says, but lean on him, not by might, speaking of our might, or by power, speaking of our power, but by his spirit, saith God. And one of the things about the Lord is that he'll never put something in your heart that he doesn't plan on fulfilling. Hello, somebody. I mean, he's not an Indian giver. He's not like, well, let me just kind of tease you. No, God from the foundation of the earth has, has a plan for your life. And the Bible says in Jeremiah 29, 11, he thinks good thoughts towards you. Tell your neighbor he's thinking good thoughts towards you. He thinks good thoughts towards you, not bad, not of evil. And not only if he's thinking those good thoughts, but he has a way of bringing it to pass. He has a plan to bringing it to pass. So it says, write this. Write what you see. Write it out in big block letters so that it can be read on the run. The vision message is a witness, it's a testimony pointing to what's coming. 
It aches for the coming. I think that's pretty remarkable it says that. It's aching. In other words, it's just God's just waiting to do this thing he's put in your heart. It can hardly wait. It doesn't lie. If it seems slow in the coming, wait. It's on its way. It will come right on time. And so God has a plan for your life, and it will come right on time. And you know, I think one of the greatest things that we can do is ask God to prepare our hearts so that we can receive what God has for us. There's only one thing that can hinder God's plan for your life. And there's no man, and there's no devil, and there's no government that can stop God's plan for your life. There's only one, one person who can really hinder God's plan for your life, and that's really you. You know, we don't want to admit it because we live in a society that's always want to be a victim of what somebody else has said or done. But God didn't create you to be a victim. He created you to be victorious. Amen? An overcomer in this life. And so God spoke to me and said, dream bigger. One of the things that grieved the heart of God is that the children of Israel, they limited God. Psalm 78, 41 says, yes, again and again, not just once, again and again, they tempted God. How? They limited the Holy One of Israel. You know, we think, well, you know, what was wrong with these people? I mean, God delivered them out of Egypt, and when they left Egypt, they had all the silver and the gold. They had all of the silver and the gold. And then when they came up to the Red Sea, God supernaturally parted the Red Sea. They walked over on dry land. God provided manna in the wilderness. He, he provided a cloud by day so they didn't have to wear sunscreen, and they provided a fire at night so they didn't have to warm themselves. God did some supernatural things. He called the bitter water to be sweet by throwing a, 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 a branch in there or a stick in there, which was a representation of the cross. And the bitter water became sweet, indicating to us that whatever is bitter in life, if we take it to the cross, God can turn it around and turn it and make it sweet for us. And so he did all these wonderful things for them in the wilderness, and yet they still tested him. Can God? And when it came time for them to go into the promised land, they said, oh, we can't do it. We can't do it. We can't do it. You know, and, you know, I don't know if I, I don't know. That's a good thing I'm not God. But anyway, I'm, I'm going to show them and said, you haven't been doing it anyway. I'm doing this. Well, there's too many giants in the land. They, they got back into what they could do, not what God can do. And finally, God says, you know what? I'm going to have to raise up a new generation. He got the Israelites out of Egypt, but he couldn't get Egypt out of the Israelites. And that's the key, and that's why it's so important that we renew our minds through the washing of the water of the Word, the Bible says. That's why we take scriptures and read scriptures and meditate on scriptures so that we become not transformed in this world or conform to this world, but be transformed through the renewing of our minds so that we can be renewed, so we can receive what God has for us. Well, the word limit means to grieve. It also means that it means to be bounded or to bind up what God had for them. That's what the Webster Dictionary says. The 1821 edition says bound it or to restrain. They restrain the hand of God. And the children of Israel restrained God from doing more than he really wanted to do for them. Some of the sentiments for limited is diminished. You know, they, it, wasn't, it made it insufficient, minimal, narrow, poor, reduced restricted or made small and so when you're thinking about your vision you're praying about your vision you need to ask God expand me 
You know, Isaiah 54 said it like this. Lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes, for you shall expand to the right and to the left. It's God's will for you to increase. Matthew 6, says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Well, if it's going to be added, does that sound like increase? God wants to increase you. You say, well, pastor, I'm not sure I have the faith for God to increase me. Well, ask God to help increase you a little bit at a time, one step at a time. Pastor Vicki was talking about baby steps, one step at a time. You know, I was listening to a preacher talk about faith, you know, and I thought, man, I don't know if I could ever get there. He said, why don't you believe God for some socks? Well, I started believing God for some socks. And one day I got a bag full of socks, and God blessed me because I was believing. I thought, well, if God can do that for socks, he can do that for other clothing. And my wife uh, alluded to this, to this last Thursday night, but when she first met me, everything I wore was too small because I didn't know they had a big and tall department in clothing. And so, you know, my, my shirt tail always came untucked no matter how many times I tucked it in. And so when she first met me, my shirt tail was untucked. You know, and somebody wanted to experiment with my hair, and they gave me a perm, and my hair was flying all over everywhere, you know. I wasn't the ideal husband when she first met me. That's because my shoes were too small because I didn't know that my feet had grown more, you know. And so, you know, here I am. And then, they, then when I met my wife, she introduced me to a big and tall man shop. Man, you talk about liberty. Wow. And I grew so fast, not that my parents weren't, 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 weren't uh, uh, you know, wealthy enough to take care of my clothing, but I grew so fast they gave me two pairs of pants and two shirts because I grew so fast that I outgrew them every three months. You know, so I, I didn't grow up with nice clothes. And I always desired to have nice clothes. I always wanted to dress sharp, you know, and I did everything I could to, to really dress sharp, you know. And I began to believe God for a pair of socks, and now I look in my closet and I think, Dear Lord, I mean, my whole wall, I mean, I've got a whole wall full of beautiful shirts and slacks and sweaters and suits and sports jackets because God's increased me. He's blessed me. You know, that's the desire of my heart. I like to dress nice. I like to look nice. I like to wear clothes that fit. Hello, somebody. Amen. You know, when you're six foot six, if you want to know what it's like to sit in an average chair, cut the legs off two inches. And sit in a chair for a while. That's what it's like for me to sit in a chair. And cut the back off about two inches. Okay? That's what it's like for me to sit in the average chair because I'm so big. You know, somebody said, Tom's so big, he makes me feel like a runt. I'm not big, I'm huge. <laughs> but I'm not a Neptilian. And if you don't know what a Neptilian, that's the name for the uh, Bible name for the giants in the Old Testament. That's not who I am. Now, why did I get off track like that? I don't know. But anyway... <laughs> Get your vision from the Lord. What do you see? What did God say to all the prophets? Amos 7, 8. God said, Amos, what do you see? What do you see? You don't need a prophet to tell you what you see. You have the prophet living on the inside of you. His name is Jesus. You know he was a prophet. And he lives on the inside of you. The very spirit of God is on the inside of you. He wants you to begin to see what he has for you. You know, Vicky said, you know, brand it. I got while we were praying this morning stamped. He stamped on my heart. He's for me. 
He stamped that on my heart. He's for me. It's one of those stamps that just kind of gets in there and just stays there, you know, one of those unerasable stamps. God is for me. Tell your neighbor God's for you. If God be for me, who can be against me, the Bible says. And we always tag on there, nobody. So what, do you, what are you seeing? Write your vision, number two, write your vision, and make your vision so plain, so clear, so everyone can see your vision and can see that that's what you're heading for. That's what you're heading for. You know, if somebody was going to build a house and there was a lot of trees in the way, what do you think the first thing they would do? Clear the land. What are you doing? I'm clearing the land. What are you going to do? I'm going to build something. They can see that you're going towards something. This vision that God's given you should be written in such a way that other people can see this is where you're heading towards. You're heading towards what God has put in your heart. You have set your mind. This is what I'm going to see God do in my life. And so set your vision and write your vision so everybody can see it. And not only can they see it, but they can see that you're going towards that particular vision. Let me say this. This is not in my notes. Don't let anybody talk you out of your vision. Don't let, you know, the world will tell you, they'll give you a hundred reasons why you can't be everything that God says you can be. And don't listen to people in the world. Don't let other people taint your vision or distort your vision or hinder your vision or make your vision too small. Because if you let the world do it, they'll always create it with limitations. But with God, there is no limitations. There is no limitations. God designed you to increase until Jesus comes back. And so, again, you know, as Habakkuk says, write it down, make it plain, write it in big block letters so that it can be read on the run. This is vision message is, is a witness pointing to what is coming. I mean, your vision should be so big that the billboard companies are asking you to advertise. Put your vision on our billboards. It should be big. Third thing, apply scripture to your vision. Find the word, a word in it. You know, I shared this when we first started talking about visions, but when Vicki and I first moved here, one of the things that we had to do in our old location in Fort Worth, because we moved, when we first moved here, I, I live with my parents uh, would live who, who were about an hour from here, lived about an hour from here. And then the second year, we moved into a very tiny one-bedroom, one-bathroom efficiency type of apartment. And God provided. It was beautiful. It was wonderful and all those things. But there's no way any of our furniture could have fit in there. So we just gave it all away. And so when we did buy our home, our first home, we, you know, were looking for some furniture. And Vicky began to stand on the scripture that he fills my house with good things. He fills my house with good things. And so she stumbled onto a furniture store, you know, ran across it, saw it had a sale. And she said, I think I'll stop, you know. And, you know, that's the thing that most women do when they see the word sale. They stop, you know, come home. Look, honey, how much money I saved you. Oh, okay, thank you. <laughs> anyway, so she stopped, and there was some beautiful furniture in there. I mean, nice furniture. And she came and told me she'd like to buy a couple pieces of furniture. And God put it on my heart, and this is what I told her. I said, the least amount you could spend is this amount of money. 
And it wasn't a small figure. And I'm not going to tell you how much it is because it doesn't really matter. But it was a large figure. And she's, she's like, uh, uh, what? You've never asked me to spend that much money. No, you go buy some good furniture. And we went and we looked at the furniture, you know. And there was a couple pieces there. And I said, you know, I, that would be, I would love to have that for our basement. I, I just made that comment to the salesman, you know. But it wasn't within that, that budget. We'd gone over that, that, that particular amount that you know, I wanted her to spend on furniture. And when we came back to get the furniture, the salesperson said, some angel bought these leather couches for you. I still have them today. Nice leather couches. Somebody came in and bought them for us. I mean, God filled our home with good things because she had a vision for it. It starts with a vision. She could see that God, number one, wanted to do this for her. And then she found a scripture that I'm going to fill your house with goodly things. And that's what she stood upon. When we first came to uh, uh, Columbia, Missouri, God began to put uh, point us in Deuteronomy. <clears throat> and the scripture says that I'm going to take you into a land, a land of wheat and barley, a land of springs and rivers, a land of pomegranates, a land of, uh, of, of vines, you know. And we got to looking around. We thought, well, that's Missouri. I mean, we've got springs all around here. We have artesian wells on people's lands. We have vines around here. We have, we don't, I don't think we grow pomegranate, but we grow other things, you know. And we have wheat and we have barley, hills and mountains where you can, you know, dig, dig uh, ore out of. You know, Missouri has uh, mining, mining in Missouri. You know, they, they mine lead, they mine copper, they mine other things here in Missouri. Did you know that? You know, it's a land of, of, of where the mountains are filled with ore and copper and, and, and minerals and all those things. And we begin to realize that God was talking about the state of Missouri. Amen? Some people think that's Israel. No, that's right here in Missouri. Right here. This is where, no, it's the land where God brought us. And this is, this is a goodly land. And we begin to speak that. We begin seeing God bless us with goodly lands here in Missouri. So it's important. Find a scripture to stand to, to, to validate what you're believing God for. You know, you say, well, I want to be rich. Well, God wants you to be rich. There's nothing wrong with that. Find a scripture. You know, the blessing of the Lord maketh rich and adds no sorrow to it. How about that scripture? That's a good one to stand on. You know, well, I want to, I want to do great things for the Lord. Well, they that know their God shall do great things, the Bible says. So that, that's another scripture. So you can find a scripture to validate what God's given given you. Why is that so important? Because Jesus said this in John 15, 7. <clears throat> if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire. Where do you think that desire comes from? It comes from God. The Bible says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, you know what I believe that means? I believe that as you, de you delight yourself in God, God will begin to put inside you the things he wants for you. Why? Because you limit God when you think in your own ability. That's why the scripture says in Ephesians 3.20, Now unto him who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or even think. God can do more than what you can even think. How many of you believe that? I believe that. Glory to God. And so uh, Jesus said, If you abide in my word and my words abide in you, you ask what you desire. And it shall be done for you. The expanded Bible says it like this. If you remain, abide in me. Follow my teachings, my words, abide and remain in you. You can ask anything you want, and it will be given to, be done for you. 
be done for or come to you. So that word abide, it means to remain. It means to continue. It means to endure. So when you get hold of this word in the scripture, don't let it go. Keep speaking it. Say, you know, when, when you get to the place where you say, you know what, I'm willing to stand no matter how long it takes, I'm going to see what God's put in my heart come to pass, then you're willing to endure. And that's the key right there. Keep on speaking it. Don't let doubt come in. I shared last week, you know, how Abraham made a covenant with God. And as he was making this covenant, he took two halves of, uh, of these heifers and put them out there and other animals, you know. One of the things Abraham had to do before the covenant was made was he had to run the vultures off. He had to run the buzzards off. You're going to have to run the doubt off. You're going to have to run the unbelief off. Say, there is no doubt, no unbelief come to take away my covenant rights with God. You got to run it off. Say, nope, no doubt here. No doubt in my house. You know, when Vicky and I are praying once in a while, we'll just shout, no doubt here. No doubt in my house. Uh-uh. I'm not allowing it. In fact, I've released all my angels. I told no idle angels on my watch. Uh-uh. I don't want to get to heaven and meet all these angels and say, who are you? Well, I was assigned to help you. Well, what did you do? Whatever you asked me to do. I, well, what was that? Nothing, because you didn't ask me to do anything. No idle angels on my watch. Uh-uh. No, I've dispatched all of them. You know, I think there are some war angels, but they don't have to war all, all the time, so I go use them to go do other things. No idle angels. I'm not having any idle angels. I'm not having any doubt on my watch. You say, well, Pastor, do you, do you never have doubt? No, that's not true. Doubt comes my way, but I don't tolerate it. No doubt on my watch. And if doubt comes in, I go to the Word and say, the Word says... Or I'll listen to somebody else preach the word until that doubt is no longer there. Until I'm like, glory to God. I'm looking for it to happen. I'm wondering, you know, is this the day? Is this the day that God's going to show himself to me? You know, God spoke to me right over here when I was praying. I was just thanking him. You're a mighty God. You're a mighty God. You're a mighty God. And God said, tell the people I'm going to demonstrate my might to them this year. Wow, he's a mighty God. You know, the more you magnify God, the more you see what you magnify in your life. Whatever you magnify the most, you're experiencing your life. And the more you magnify God, the more you experience God in your life. Why not magnify God? You are a mighty God. We used to sing, you are a mighty God. You are a mighty God. Mighty God, mighty God, yes, you're a mighty God. You know, I just sing that and speak that he's a mighty God. Not by, not by my ability, but by his might, by his ability, I'm going to see God bring to pass those things that he has put in my heart. How many of you are receiving something this morning? Well, give the Lord your best shout right now. So refuse to allow any excuses or doubt to come into your vision. And like I said, Abraham had to run off the vultures, which is a type and shadow for me, to run off those things that would try to hinder me from experiencing God's best or God's covenant in my life. One thing Paul said to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 18 through 19, he said, This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you wage a good warfare. 
having faith and having a good conscience. And then he went on to say, which some having rejected concerning faith, they have suffered shipwreck. In other words, you know, what, what, whatever was coursed for them, whatever was their ship for life, whatever was their direction for life. You know, when you set sail, you set with a course for most, well, most part. When you're setting, you know, uh, setting sail for these big ships, you set out your course and, uh, and the winds that you're hoping to catch to get you to the next place that God has for you. And this is why Paul used that illustration. He said, because some, they started out, but they didn't stay the course. They didn't stay the course. They didn't keep their faith out there. And so they didn't reach their destiny or they suffered shipwreck. And they said, this is how you do it. You make war with those things spoken over you. What are the things spoken? Well, now, pastor, I've never had anybody speak a word over me. You don't have to have somebody speak the word over you. You got this word right here. If God be for you, who can be against you? The word of God tells us that, you know, for those who are obedient, if you're obedient to what God calls you and you're diligent to listen to him, he'll make you the head, not the tail. So who needs someone to lay hands on you and say, you're the head? You need to declare, I'm the head, not the tail. I'm above only, not beneath. I'm blessed coming in. I'm blessed going out. I declare everything I put my hands to shall prosper. Glory to God. If God be for me, you know, what are the limitations? There are no limitations if I let God be for me in my life. So you don't have to have necessarily a, a, a word from a prophet because this word here will be sufficient for you. But if you have a word from a prophet and you believe it's the will of God, then begin to speak that. You know, Vicki and I are speaking things that have been spoken over us 20, 30 years ago. We're still speaking them. We haven't seen them come to pass yet, but they're in motion. And we war with that. We, oh, no, we, 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 this was spoken over us. Brother Jerry spoke this over us. Bro, uh, Brother DeWell spoke this over us. Brother Moore spoke this over us. You know, Brother Copeland spoke this about the body of Christ. You know, Brother Barry Tubb spoke this over us, you know, and others. And we just go back to those prophecies, and we begin to speak them over and over and over and over again. And some of them we have seen come to pass. But you know what? There's some greater things that God has in store for us. And we're warging, waging a warfare with those words. We're saying, nope, we're not allowing anybody. There's no man, no devil, no government that's going to stop God from doing what he wants to do in our lives. Can I hear an amen in this Holy Ghost church? 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 13 through 15 says, Till I come, give attention to reading Give attention, give attention to reading, exhortation, and doctrine. In other words, that's the Word of God. Be reading the Bible. Do not neglect the gift that's in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on the hands of the elder, eldership. But meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely, the King James says holy, entirely to them that you may progress. What's God wants you to do? progress. Does progress sound like increase? You know, degress sounds like subtraction, but progress sounds like increase. God wants to increase you, that you may progress and that your prog progress may be evident to all. So don't neglect. The word neglect here means don't make light of it. Don't make light of those things that God has spoken over you. Don't be careless with those things that God has spoken over you. 
That's one of the other words it means. Or not to regard or regard not. Don't, don't, don't give up on those things that God has spoken over you. Say, so, well, when will it ever come to pass? You know, I don't know when, and I'm not sure I know even how, but I know God, if he said it, he will bring it to pass. The expanded Bible says it like this. Use, do not neglect the gift from the spirit or your spiritual gift. Every one of you have a spiritual gift. You know, some of it may be, one of them may be serving. One of them may be, you know, teaching. There are all kinds of spiritual gifts that God's given. Don't neglect those that you have that is in you, which was given to you through prophecy when a group of elders laid their hands on you. Don't neglect these things. The Message Bible says it like this. And the special gift of ministry you were given when the leaders of the church laid hands on you and prayed, keep that dusted off and in use. Use your gifting. Use what God's given you. Use what God's given you. This goes back to the, uh, the parable of the talents. You know, Jesus said, you know, the master went away on a trip. Before he did, he gave one five and one two and one one. And the one who, who multiplied his talent had five more. And the one who multiplied his two had, uh, had, had four. And the one who was given one, he hid his. In other words, he didn't use what was given to him. And what did the master say about the one who didn't use what? Yes, man, you're wicked. You got a problem here. Dude, give it to the one who can do something with it. You know, not on my watch. God's not going to take what he's given to me and give it to somebody else. Tell your neighbor, not on my watch. Not on my watch, man. I'm going to use everything God has given me. I'm not going to neglect what God has for me. So keep it dusted off and in use those things God has given you. I said it earlier before, but God wants to add. He wants to increase where you're at right now. That's what the kingdom of God is all about. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And so today, we're going to pray over your vision. Here in just a moment, I'm going to have you come forward, and we're going to lay hands on your vision if you brought your vision. If you did not bring your vision, that's okay. We'll do it again next week, uh, probably at the end of service like we're doing today. But we want you to pray over, we want to pray over your vision. But I want you to get hold of something, especially if you're a tither and you're a giver to this house. Galatians says, whatsoever a man soweth or sows into, you shall reap. And so because you've sown into the vision of this house with your tithes and offerings, guess what you can expect? Because you've sown into this house with your tithes and your offering, guess what you can expect? You can expect your vision to come to pass. You know, I'm not receiving a special offering. I'm not receiving a vision offering. You know, I don't even know if there's such a thing. You know, but I'm not saying, well, why don't you sow something significant into this house, you know, as you bring your... No, we're not asking you to do that. Because you're already a tither. Because you're already giving and sowing into this house and the vision of this house. So that we can carry out what God's put in our hearts. So we can lead this congregation. And so that we can reach other things that God's put in our hearts to reach and do other things that God's put in our heart to do. You know, you've sown to that. You've been a part of that. So therefore, whatsoever you sow, you sowed in this vision, guess what? Then you have a right, a spiritual right to say, hey, I've sown into this vision, the vision of Family Worship Center. Therefore, I shall see my vision come to pass. So I want you to know that, you know, uh, about you being a tither and you being a giver in this house. Thank you for listening today. We believe God's word is what will sustain us in any situation in our lives. 
For more information, please visit us at familywc.org or you can download the app. Look for us as FWC Como. Until the next time, remember, you are God's best.